So the last thing I would say is to be brave. Be brave enough to believe that you can do something better than you think you can, and more interesting than you think you can, more personal than you think you can. Embrace the risk of making something that is purely and positively and intimately yours. Hey, you, I see you with your phone, looking at Instagram. This is the dance floor, baby. This is where you're supposed to get down. This is the dance floor, baby. from Brooklyn, New York, which is how I know Eric. We went to elementary school together. So like, wow, that was a long time ago. Oh, very, very long time ago. <laughs> I got a while to reflect back on it. Wait, so I guess, yeah, this it really is, is. We might as well, yeah, we might as well just, I guess, keep flowing with the, the introductions right now. So welcome back, everyone, to our communal podcast, You Free, Eric Wilson on the line. Who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? Hi, guys. You already said you're living in Memphis. You're from Brooklyn. Yes. So my name is Christina Cologne. Nice to meet all of you. Word, word, word. So yeah, no, we've known each other since elementary school. And I think that it's actually kind of wild to reflect back on it because I think over time, what ended up happening was even some of our circles started to overlap even beyond the fact after we graduated. Mm -hmm. I mean, we definitely, so what was interesting, I thought was that like, we went to school, we went to elementary school together, but like we took very similar paths. Yes. We did not go to the same schools like thereafter, but we had similar experiences. So like I went to private school for high school and then ended up going to like a PWI for college. I went to Boston College. So I think we had like similar experiences in that regard. Yeah, no, definitely for sure. Especially when reflecting back on high school and the a PWI for college no most definitely like how do we end up like in the northeast right yeah right <laughs> both of us in the new england area even though we're we're brooklyn natives yeah i mean i am um, i think i had a really unique college experience just for the simple fact that like i went to boston college and yeah boston college is like in the suburbs but one thing about boston it's like it's there's so many schools there so one thing that i tried to do and my friends did is like we would mingle a lot with the kids at other schools. So like our experience wasn't confined to this like a bubble in the suburbs. It was very much like two to three good years of like city living and what it means to like go clubbing in Boston, go eating in Boston, like just go exploring the actual city that you're in for your four years of college. So I, I don't think I had like a typical DC experience. Oh, that's dope. And it seems like you were being really intentional about going out there and meeting just like different 
groups or communities in Boston too. You know what? I think what it was, like when I reflect back, it was really that. So I was in the business school at BC and there was Mm -hmm. barely any diversity. And it was like everyone who's like black and Hispanic just could kind of, you know, make eye contact with each other and like lecture or like passing through the halls of school. And like, you just knew you were one of the few in the business school and even in the larger university. But I think that's what made it that's what made it possible for kind of like my friends and I to be nudged to like see what the world was like outside of our campus because we just realized like there weren't many of us. And I think for me coming from like a private high school that was predominantly white where there were only like 60 kids in my grade, um, I wanted more of that diversity. So it's like, how do we meet other people that look like us that are having like similar experiences at other schools so that we can, you know, fellowship on the weekends? I may not necessarily want to do what my white classmates are doing on the weekend. So how do I, you know, build that sense of community? And that was definitely something that I had in college. And that's something I always um, reflect on, especially when thinking about where we did go to school. And at least like if we reflect all the way back into like elementary school, I guess I, w- I wasn't thinking or aware of race at that time, but I, I do <laughs> feel, was I. right. <laughs> but I do feel like we've been in these um, similar situations where we've sort of had to adjust or whether or not yeah. we were the only ones in a room, we didn't realize. So it's always interesting right. reflecting back on it. The older we get that there's that the, the similarities for the people we end up mingling with or really getting in touch with, it's deeper than just a, a male female like binary you know what i mean it's di- it, it's sure. deeper it becomes deeper than race it's like where can we find these commonalities in order to just situate and honestly just like kick back and be friends like pull off all those masks and just get to the bottom of what the real is yeah no i i mean i agree with that um you know it's funny that you said like race wasn't an inch issue in elementary school and i agree with that i mean we went to a predominantly white school and i did not really think about race when I was that young, I don't think race really like set in for me until like seventh grade. Mm-hmm. So when did it like hit for you? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say mainly in high school, like ninth grade, mm-hmm. only because I was also just out of my environment completely, like just being uh, going to boarding school, being also in a city that was in the deeper parts of New England, that's where it was right. really apparent because I remember one of the questions that I asked one of the, the older students on campus was like, hey, like, where do you get your hair cut? And he just started laughing. So at that point, I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, I do understand that there are barbers in the city, but uh, I got you, got you, got you. So I think that was that was one of the more, you know, that, that was definitely one of the feelings or one of the realizations that I had about about race in that way, just the fact that the same services can be provided, but different people utilize it a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, the reason why it struck me so early is because, so I had gone to like a public middle school and even though it was really diverse, part of the reason like why I had gone there was like my neighborhood public school, middle school. Part of the reason why I had gone there was because they had like this rainbow program um, or like a magnet program. Um, It's for like, high performing students, you just kind of get like coupled into this program and you may have like harder classes than like, you know, your counterparts. Mm -hmm. But I remember in like seventh grade when things started kind of getting rougher um, or like Brooklyn was a little bit rough at that time. 
I would just notice like the way that teachers or even like the police after school would kind of like interact with the students of color. I'd noticed that like a lot of the kids that I'd gone to that middle school with from our elementary school, like they kind of started, I would say segmenting themselves off. Like I realized then that I was like one of the only ones in my friend group that was a person of color. And so I just naturally wanted to be around other people that looked like me. So that's when race started like really becoming a thing. I'd never really had like other Spanish friends and never had like other Spanish students that I was going to school with. And that was really the first time I'd started meeting like other Spanish people. So I mean, seventh grade was pretty eye opening for me. Can you speak more to the to seeing that divide and even the way the teachers were treating students? Because at that age, we're everyone wants to talk in class, you know what I mean? And yeah, not everyone yeah. wants to raise a hand. Like people are messing around in the hallways. And I think that's all the way across the board. Like, right. I'm very curious to hear um, sort of the differing in, in treatment. Cause I, I actually do remember some elements of that in elementary school. If I do want to reflect back on it, how mm-hmm. certain kids were always just thought of as like problem childs or yeah. there was always that threat that uh, their parents would be called. Meanwhile, there was another segment of students who would do similar things, but it was just kind of, brushed off yeah I think it was more so I'm big on like tone of voice and I think that's what really stuck out to me it was more like the tone that the teacher used it was more like you said like the same students I kept kind of getting in trouble over and over again so that's like what I really picked up on and I think that's like when I like I said really started thinking about race and like wanting to be around other people that looked like me and like when I think back at 13 to like just have this desire to be around other students that like look like you like that wasn't anything that was forced upon me or encouraged like it was Mm -hmm. like an inherent desire so I can only imagine nowadays like you know as kids have social media at like younger ages that they want to be around other people that look like them like that is like a true desire that kids have. Yeah. And even when thinking about social media, just all the different communities that are built within that, you know, so it's like the kids that the kids are like Jordans or the kids that like Adidas. I feel like they're, I feel like we're all just so very tribal and social media can also push forward that narrative in those ways too. But you know what I'm noticing too, like the kids being on social media earlier, they just lose the ability to, to have like disagreements. Because online, it escalates so quickly. It's like if people disagree with you, it's very much like I'm going to block you. I'm going to delete your comment. I'm going to like probably curse you out. But like you lose that ability as a kid, I feel like to be like, yo, I don't like this. This is why I don't like this. It's very easy to just like cancel people. So like that is something that, you know, I've kind of been wondering, like, how do these younger kids develop the ability to like have discord and have discussions with people that don't necessarily agree with like their points of views? That is very true. Even now with remote learning, students can mm-hmm. actually just create and curate their own world that that best suits them. Because, yep. yeah, once you once you block someone on on any of these media sites, they're effectively out of your life until I guess they create new <laughs> until you have to see them in person <laughs> <laughs> or, yeah, unless you just see them in person too no that's very interesting I didn't I didn't think about it from that way that there may not be the same level of discord because I feel like for us or even being a digital native where we've experienced both sides of the of the world pre and post internet culture I feel like we we approached the internet in a way where we were always just so honest. I was having this conversation right. with a friend the other day when we were looking back on our Facebook timelines and just, we were having like 
very public conversations that should have been very private or indirect messages just for the consumption of the masses. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's very interesting to then reflect back on it because one of, I feel like, at least in my house, because I come from a big family and I know you do as well, there's no such thing as if you don't agree with someone just like blocking them out. It's like, no, 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 you're going to argue right. your point. <laughs> you're going to get your point across until someone just gets tired of, of disputing or going back and right. forth. You know what I mean? Like coming from that place where it's like having a lot of siblings, someone has to be right. <laughs> there's not going to be two people who are just going to just agree, just agree unless um, parents get involved. Wow. It's so funny you say like someone has to be right because something that I'm kind of learning with like, the people in my circle now is just this concept that like, there's no such thing as right and wrong. And it's been difficult wrapping my head around like that idea, because to your point, I grew up in a big family as well. Like I have three younger brothers. And when I think about it, like growing up, it was always like someone had to be right, or you should follow this person's example, or you're automatically wrong. And it's just, I think that that's a little bit harmful. It's been like a process, me kind of like taking right and wrong out of my vocabulary. But I say that all to say that like when you really think about it, like right and wrong is just so subjective. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just what may be right to me may be wrong for you and vice versa. So it's this idea that like you can't actually lose an argument. It's just a difference of opinion. But I think Mm -hmm. growing up in an environment like that where there's like so many kids you automatically want to feel like there's a winner and a loser, but like, that's not true. And so that's been really interesting for me, just kind of not shaming people if they make it, I don't want to say shaming, but I can't think of another word. Like if they make a different decision than I would in a certain situation, that doesn't mean that they're wrong. That's just like what they felt was best for them at that point in time. So how do you then balance that out whenever friends are asking for advice, like keeping in mind the fact that you guys are on both different paths and you guys um, experience things a little bit differently? How do you know that the advice that you're giving is something that could be useful to them? That's a great question. Um, so with this like mind shift that I'm currently going through, I'll, I'll answer it two ways. So previously, when someone would come to me with advice, I'd be like, what you're doing is wrong. This is the right way to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, or you wouldn't be asking me if you didn't think I had the right answer. kind of thing, Right, right. right. Uh-huh. Now it's like, one thing that I'm trying to do is ask, like, do you want my advice? Or do you just want me to listen? So sometimes like when people are venting to you, it's not necessarily that they want to hear any feedback from you. They just want someone to listen to them. And so that's like the first thing I'll do. But then the second thing, if they're asking for my opinion, I would say like, in my opinion, this is what I would do because this is how I would see the situation. But I understand that like perception is ultimately reality, right? Like the way I perceive it based on my life experiences up until this point is going to be different from the way you would perceive it. So I no longer kind of like feel ashamed if I give like a friend advice and they don't take it because that's just a reflection of like our life experiences have been different and you Mm -hmm. don't feel like that was an appropriate response for the situation you're going through. That's not like a, a jab at me that like you don't value my opinion. It just didn't suit like the reality of what you're going through and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Or the agenda for that day or week or for the situation that we're going through. Yeah, and I, I share a, a similar sentiment. I, I did at a few points in my life feel offended when people didn't take my advice, even though they'd asked for it. But then I, I had to realize that me giving advice is 
coming from a place of everything that I've experienced. And whenever exactly. people are asking these questions, it's not like I'm giving my whole life story or connecting all of these dots to allow them to realize why I came to that conclusion. So it's exactly. like, it does make sense just to take that step back and just, I guess, just be grateful for the fact that people want to hear what we have to say are our opinions right. um, based on a specific situation. And honestly, it just takes the pressure off of friendships. I feel like, mm-hmm. like, unless you're doing something that's really harmful, like I really have no opinion on the way that you move. And like, like I said, as long as you're not harming yourself or others, like it's cool. Like we can just kind of continue. I think what I felt like before was that friendships were like so intertwined and like whatever you do that I perceive as wrong is like somehow a reflection of me. (laughs) Mm. And it's not like, those are your decisions that you've made on your own. And if our morals don't align, like that's okay. We just, we don't need to be friends. But now I'm kind of feeling like I'm in this place where as long as we have like some core values that are similar if you make different decisions that I wouldn't necessarily make, like that doesn't mean we can't be friends, you know, because we're just kind of walking life together. We don't need to be on the same path. So that's how I perceive friendship now. Oh, I like that. Did that, did a lot of these realizations happen when you moved to Memphis or did you, Jeez, or were I you wish. going through a lot of this <laughs> when you were in New York or Boston? Okay. So a lot of these realizations have happened in the last like six to nine months of my life. Um, I wish they would have happened (laughs) when I first moved here because God, it would have been a different experience, but, um, yeah, no, the the lessons would have been different though, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And how has that allowed you to, to find more about who you are as a person? Wow. That's a big question. (laughs) Some of these questions I ask, sometimes I don't even have the answer to it. I'm very curious of like the human experience or or the journey from others' perspective. Okay. Ask me the question again, because something popped into my mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's like when reflecting back on the fact that whenever we are giving advice, when people ask us for our advice, if they, whether Mm -hmm. they take it or not, uh, we shouldn't feel offended by it because- we all have different experiences and hear things a little bit differently. But then realizing the fact that we shouldn't be offended and that sort of to each its own, how has that allowed you to move more in a way where you learned a lot more about yourself? I say this to say, like, do you happen to take your own advice that you also dish out? Because I have a hard time doing that. Wow. There's, so I'm going to give you a few different answers. So one, the way that it's personally changed my life in terms of friendships is I'm more open to meeting different types of people. Mm. There is one thing I think like, okay, we grew up in Park Slope, right? There's one thing to be like, oh, I'm open to like people of different walks of life and we can maybe have small talk on the street, but And I live in like a very progressive community, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're an open person. Um, You can be narrow-minded and still live in like a progressive environment. So I think I'm truthfully like way more open to meeting people of different walks of life and like not judging the walk of life that they're on. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's one. Secondly, the way it's changed me as a person. Yes, I do take my own advice. Um, I, <laughs> and I know that's a, that sounds like an interesting question, but it's so no, difficult. It's so no, it difficult is, to it take is. our own advice. It is, you know, God. Okay. So the way that I feel like it's changed me as a person, mm-hmm. when you realize that you don't have control over other people's actions, you start, re- and I don't mean this in like a depressing way, but you start realizing like you're just alone mm-hmm. and that all you have control over is you. And 
you start to put more of the energy that you would have put into like making sure your friends are okay or like making good decisions or like doing what you think is right into yourself. And it's like, who do I want to be? What do I want to do? And that like energy that you're expending like outwards, like you're turning inwards. And I mean, it's easy to say like, I'll give an example, like, hey, like as a friend, like I'm noticing like you shouldn't drink as much, right? But it's like, well, what if I'm drinking that much too? It's really easy to tell someone else to stop drinking, but like maybe, you know, why don't I focus on me? Like if I drink less, like where does that mean my free time goes? Or like, there's a lot of like self-control that goes into like changing the way you choose to party on the weekend. So my whole point is like all the advice and energy that you would expend, like you're truly turning it on yourself. And it's like, it's hard to do a lot of that self-work you realize pretty quickly it's very easy to tell people what to do, but it's very hard to actually like live that truth. So I've just realized like it's me, myself and I need to focus on myself. And like, as you start making the decisions that like you feel are in alignment with you, those friendships will either continue or not. Um, so that's been like a realization. And I think the the last one, and this goes back to your point about how, um, you know, do you follow your own advice? One thing I've been learning is like, if I ask something of other people, I should expect to give that in return. 100%. So I think a lot of people don't realize that, right? Like they'll be like, oh, I want someone who's like a good listener and who's understanding and patient, but it's like, I'm an impatient person. I don't like to listen. (laughs) I'm not open. (laughs) So how could you be asking for that if you don't even give that? And it's like, you know, you wouldn't even be attracting that kind of energy. Right, right. So that's one thing that I've noticed. It's like, is what I'm asking for something that I'm willing to change to get? And a lot of people aren't willing to do that. And the interesting part about it all, too, is whenever we do, if we bring it back to the whole element of giving advice, we're able to give advice whenever we've gone through something. You know, we can only give advice from our experiences. So I completely agree with what you're saying, where it's like, if we focus inward, then what we're able to produce outward will actually help not only us, but our circle and being able to build that community from there. For sure. For sure. And also too, you recently started a podcast, right? Started a podcast. Yes. It's called Healing Out Loud. How's that journey in process been? And I like the name too. I mean, it exactly falls aligned in what we've been mentioning or discussing too this afternoon. Absolutely. So thank you. The name is really dope. You know, it, it took us some like back and forth to come up with it, but ultimately Um, My co-host and I, Shanice, we were just kind of, we wanted a podcast that would allow ourselves and like whatever guests we have on to really feel like it was a safe space to talk about whatever it is that they're currently healing from. Because Mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is like, we're all trying to like work through things. We just may not talk about it. And we all know this. Um, But just being able to have like this platform where people can come on and just make sure that they're being transparent and feel comfortable to just like express, you know, whatever's on their mind. But um, it's called Healing Out Loud, um, the podcast journey. So to be honest, it's a lot of work, Eric. (laughs) (laughs) It always seems easier outside looking in, right? Yes, it is a lot of work to be consistent and like disciplined with it, you know, and just be on it every week. But it's so we actually have paused for a few weeks. Um, I think life hit both of us and we just needed to take a step back. And you know, it's I'm actually interested to hear from you. Like, how do you balance that if you're going through stuff personally? Like, I know you still have like your nine to five and then you have the podcast on the side. So how do you balance that? I think it's realizing the 
going back to the drawing board of the why, like the why are you doing it? You know, why, mm-hmm. why do you feel like it's necessary to record and have these conversations and put your opinions out into the world? And I, right. Zim and I, we, and I know Zim's not on this call, but we, that is something that we talk about where it's like, we have to realize, especially on this podcasting journey or any journey in which you're creating media that you have to create it for you. Right. You know, so whenever, whenever it stops feeling fun or whenever it feels like it's no longer aligning with you, it's okay to take a pause, but the, mm-hmm. the worst thing to do is just quit completely. So it's like absolutely being able to realize those moments when we all need rest, because part of, part of the thing that makes the, the creative elements that we're putting out into the world beautiful is the fact that we, we take the time for ourselves to be able to reflect and really continuously align to see, hey, is this something that is still, is this, is this something that I still value in the same way that I do, that I did two years ago? You know, whether that's in potting and having these conversations have increased or whether uh, we don't find the same value actually being there, but it's always just reflecting back on that why. I love what you said. I'm really going to take that back. Just like keeping the why centered every time you kind of, you know, revisit the podcast or really anything that that you want to do extracurricularly outside of work. Yeah, It's like even going to the gym, like there's times in which like, if you're consistent for two or three days where you may want to take that day off and let's say you do take that day off, as long as you kind of keep in your mind and remember why you even started going on those jogs or those runs to begin with, you know? That is so interesting that you said that because I, it was like after my 28th birthday in February, it was one day I was, I just had so much anxiety and I was like, you know what? I need to run. And like, mm-hmm. I've never been a runner. And so every time it didn't have to be the same time each day, but whenever I felt that feeling throughout the day of like, oh my God, I need to like get this energy out. I would go on a run and slowly it became a few times a week. Like I was running. And then there was like one week where I ran every day and it, I noticed like, if I don't put pressure on myself and just go with the flow of my own body, like I can look back and say like, wow, that became a habit. I wouldn't consider myself a runner, but like running is now something that I appreciate and enjoy and can see value in. And so sometimes what I'm learning is like, it's not about, I think we can all get really caught up in like goal setting. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just like following the flow of your body and letting like your, your body just, you know, guide you. Exactly. And I feel like this goes back to what we were saying before about, do we take our own advice? It's like, do we listen to our own body? Because a lot of the time it's like, even when we start the work day, it's like, whether we're feeling tired or not it's like well go ahead take a shower and then coffee you know what i mean coffee is going to make us jump up and provide us with that false sense of energy but it's like being able to really sit back and listen to your body that's where we're going to be able to get a lot of the answers we're searching for i love that yep and that's cool yeah and i'm very i'm very excited for when healing out loud gets kicked back up too did you guys did you and your co-host did you guys like meet in college is she like a a neighborhood friend how'd you guys decide or how'd you guys come up with the idea oh my gosh okay so Shanice and I go way back to college we actually met um when orientation kicked off we were both in the business school together um and we were roommates for three of the four years oh so you guys, um, are, you guys are tight. oh we're super yeah we're like super that. tight and I think what god when I think back to college I can't really remember like a memory that she's not a part of because That's we did beautiful. everything together. I mean, from classes to like, you know, friends and eating together. And just like, like I said, I think what was so powerful about like my college experience is just 
the conversations we would have late night, every mm-hmm. night, there was always a conversation in the living room or whatever common space to just talk about what we were going through and like how we felt and some of the similar struggles that we had and just being able to like disagree. And like I said, have those conversations. And nowadays, that's what I'm saying. I'd imagine that some of that is taking place, you know, online for younger kids. But for us, when we were in school, it was like that back and forth. And I appreciated that so much. So I mean, we were just, we stayed friends after college and it's been cool to see where each other has gone. Entirely. And especially, I assume that you guys were the ones giving each other advice. So it's pretty funny yeah. how simply <laughs> speaking out loud or healing out loud in that sense together. Okay. So healing out loud, it's a space just for everyone to be able to get um, a full scope and idea where they can find you too. Yes. So healing out loud, healing with an apostrophe, no G. Um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and I will also pass your handle. Um, it's healing out loud, no spaces on Instagram. Um, so please follow us, listen to our content. We're really excited, um, about the podcast and about the idea. And like I said, we've taken a little bit of a break, but we will be coming back, um, in full force. So really excited for you guys to listen. Thank you for allowing me to share my podcast on your podcast. I appreciate it. No, of course. No, because I, I understand the way the, the journey goes, especially when you do have those moments to pause. So definitely, um, yeah, take just best advice that I have. <laughs> this is so funny, too, because usually on these episodes, we talk a lot about like intentionality, um, consistency, mm-hmm. discipline. I feel like the word or the theme of this conversation would be advice, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's like yeah. when reflecting back on my own advice and my own journey, the best thing that I can say um, when just putting things out in the world is just remembering your why and realizing that you're on your own timeline regardless For sure. you know what I mean so put the blinders on and just do what you got to do because at the end of the day no one is you you know what no one is you and let me just say I think like the coolest thing about starting the podcast like I before we put the podcast out we were you know having conversations about like is this something that we're comfortable with doing like actually just being this open about our lives and it was such a freeing feeling to like put out our first two episodes and mm-hmm. talk about like certain things that were close to home that maybe people didn't know about and just not caring what anyone thought. Like yes. I, I couldn't even believe like how freeing it felt to just really be void of those opinions and just be like, this is me. And you know, you can either take it or leave it and find some value in it or not. And that's totally okay. If it doesn't resonate, if it does, that's great. Cause we want to help people by like sharing what we've been through. But I have to tell you, like it gave me that much more confidence to really just step and walk in my truth, um, that you can have that sense of freedom and freedom's really just a choice. Like it's a choice to say like, I, know what's best for me and like I you know value the experiences that I've had and I'm not going to have shame about like what I've been through or who I am wow I should be grateful for my experiences instead of being wasteful and bitter I have learned better than that can't spend my time on the wrong side of things not believing in my voice yes i made my choice
Never bleed, never break, never open these walls.